What is up, everybody? Welcome back. In this video, I want to open up a discussion about mirrorless cameras. I'm going to be talking primarily about Sony. Whether you love them or hate them, it's pretty obvious that Sony are absolutely killing it and dominating the full-frame mirrorless industry right now. In fact, so much so that Canon and Nikon have both recently made announcements that they are aggressively producing a full-frame camera system, each one of them. And we're not talking about just a new body. We're talking about a new body, new lens mount, new lenses, the whole thing. And when was the last time you saw either one of those companies pursue anything aggressively and whip into action. So it's going to be interesting to see and I think Sony's an interesting company to look at because they've not been part of the photography industry for that long a time but in that short amount of time they've developed something that basically has taken photography into a place with mirrorless where in terms of feature set they're matching or beating the price of DSLRs and I think the features are actually surpassing what you can do with a DSLR and so that's what I want to talk a bit about in this video. First of all I want to give a shout out to our sponsor today who are the awesome folks over at squarespace.com you need a website you need a place to put your stuff and squarespace have you covered with an all-in-one solution for building a beautiful website portfolio or even an online store so head over to squarespace.com aop and sign up for the free trial grab one of their beautiful award-winning templates and start building your website today if you decide that squarespace is right for you i can save you an additional 10 percent on your order by using offer code aop once again that offer code is aop and i want to give a special shout out and thanks to the folks at Squarespace for sponsoring another episode of The Art of Photography. So let's talk about mirrorless technology for a second. I think this is kind of interesting because I think even today, if you ask most photographers, what is the difference between a DSLR and a mirrorless design, you're going to get the same answer, which is, well, there's no mirror box, so you can make a smaller and more compact camera. Well, that's certainly true, but I think this is more of an advantage of mirrorless rather than a differentiating factor between a DSLR design and a mirrorless design. I think the real difference comes in the sensor. And so if you take a traditional DSLR, and I'm not talking about live view, I'm talking about just the way a DSLR is designed to be used. You have a mirror in there and the image sensor is only active at the point of capture. So this means what you're going to do is you use the viewfinder and you acquire your subject, you get the autofocus and the automatic exposure set, and then the mirror flips up at the point of image capture, the shutter opens up, and the sensor becomes active and makes the picture. But in a mirrorless system, you have a sensor that's active as long as the camera's on. And the options that you have for what data you're pulling off of that sensor far surpass what you're able to do with a DSLR. In a DSLR, when you're acquiring your exposure and your autofocus, you're doing that with a sensor that is separate than the image capture sensor. And these are really small. We're talking like a kilopixel. And so there's only so much definition and so much you can do, for instance, with autofocus on that. Whereas with the DSLR model, if you're getting a full data readout, there's a lot more that you're able to do with the camera in general. And so there is, I believe, a five-point system. Sony calls it a four point, but I'm going to add a fifth one on because I think it's pretty important. But there are basically five components that you need in place to make a mirrorless system work. And the first one we're talking about is a sensor. Now, Sony is also a sensor company. They make sensors for most mobile phones and many other camera manufacturers. Sometimes this is confirmed that they produce the sensors. Sometimes it's confirmed that they design the sensors. Most often it's not. But they have a tremendous luxury with that because when you own your own sensor company, it allows you to do proof of concepts and testing that would cost you an exorbitant sum of money if you did not. So Sony are in a clear uh, advantage point because they own their own sensor business. And so Sony 
it, you see this throughout the lineup. With the Alpha Series cameras, and I'm talking about the full frame stuff, so like the A7 and now the A9, we have had many sensors in play for a long time, and there really have always been three running at one time. You have the 24 megapixel sensor, which is the middle of the road sensor that Sony put into the A7 model. You have a high resolution version of this. It was originally 36 megapixels. It is up to 42 megapixels now. This is found in the A7R series. And then there is a low resolution or a 12 megapixel sensor that is found in the A7S. And the advantage of having a low resolution megapixel count is that you have a larger pixel pitch. So your pixels are able to gather more light. So there is a dedicated low light model. But they have always had three sensors running in tandem at any given time. Later on came backside illumination, which is a redesign of the sensor to make it more efficient in the way it gathers light. It gives you about an extra stop of light. And not only do you see these in the full frame models, you see these in the APS-C models, like the A6300, the A6500, and even in the lower line models, like the point and shoot, like the RX-10 or the RX-100 series. And it's pretty interesting to see how they have treated sensor design over the years. Of course, the newest thing is last year when they introduced the A9. This features a stacked CMOS sensor, which is a whole new design, which basically has three parts. There is a pixel layer, there is an integral memory layer, and there's also a built-in image processor. And there are three benefits that you get out of this stacked CMOS sensor. First of all, you have up to 20 frames per second blackout-free shooting. Now, if you consider the older DSLR model, at the point in which you take the picture, the mirror flips up so you can't see when the picture is actually being made. Early mirrorless cameras, it was a similar kind of deal. They have a camera now that will feature completely blackout free shooting. You just hold the camera and go. In fact, it's interesting because they have a little bracket that comes up and that actually indicates that the picture is being made because we're not used to being able to see that. It also features the ability to have 60 times per second autofocus as well as automatic exposure system. And I'm going to come back to this, but this is almost real time. When you're considering 60 times a second, it's refocusing or it's re-exposing. That's pretty amazing. And finally, we also have the ability to use the electronic shutter up to 1 32,000th of a second for anti-distortion silent shooting. A CMOS sensor suffers from some of its design in that it scans the image. And so if you have the sensor, it reads from left to right and top to bottom. So while you can shoot at 1 4,000th of a second, let's say, it's going to actually take longer for that than for the sensor to acquire that information. So the result that you get is a jello effect if you use an electronic shutter. This is why we still have mechanical shutters in mirrorless cameras. For instance, if you take a cell phone, a cell phone does not have a mechanical shutter. If you're shooting out a moving car, or if you have anything that's moving rapidly in the image, sometimes you see the jello effect that come into place. So it will be interesting to see because I know Sony has technology right now that they've done a proof of concept uh, with a sensor that is like a one megapixel sensor, but it is a truly global sensor. So rather than scanning, it shoots all at once. Once this technology is into play, you won't have a mechanical shutter anymore because there will be no need for it. So that's the first part of this is the sensor part of the equation. The second part of it is all these things I've talked about. There's an enormous amount of data that's coming off the sensor at all times, and you have to have a processor that will keep up with that. So the processor is extremely important. This is something that I think Sony have learned over the years the hard way on some of the early cameras that I was using, particularly when you're in video, you have problems with overheating. Sony be kind of came notorious with that, and that's part of the problem is the sensor cannot keep up with the data readout that's coming off of that. The third part of this equation is the software algorithms that interpret what you're going to do with all this stuff. And this is really important because you need to have developers working on something that are going to be able to write software that will do things like IAF, which is the eye autofocus tracking that Sony will do. Well, you can autofocus up to 60 times a second. And so to be able to lock in on not only a face, but the human eye and track that and keep it in focus 
it's amazing what we're able to do with that now. That's something that we were never able to do with the DSLR. Live view is a little bit different, and I think autofocus has been a little slow to grow with that, but that is an important part of this equation. The fourth part of this equation is how are you going to power the camera? Earlier I said with the DSLR model where your sensor is only active at the point of image capture, well, that's great for battery life. But when you have the sensor delivering data as long as the camera's on, that's going to be a huge draw on the battery. And I think this is something that Sony have had to adjust to as well. Finally, now we have the Z battery, which gives you much better battery performance than the old W batteries. I used to have to carry a lot of them around, but that is a big deal and that is a big part of mirrorless technology. It also has a lot to do with the functionality of the camera. And if you have used any of Fuji's cameras, in the menu options, there are adjustments for how you want to regulate the power in the camera. And for an example, with like the X-T2, to get full capabilities out of the video functionality, you're going to really need the battery grip in both batteries. That's just the way it's set up. I think Sony have finally gotten this straight with the Z battery. I've started using them more recently and they have great results. And finally, the last part of this equation is lens design. And this is something that I think Sony have taken some unfair criticism on over the years. They have been slow to develop their newer lens lineup and it's at a point right now where I think it's very legitimate. But a lot of people along the way said, well, you rolled up Konica Minolta's imaging department into Sony, so why can't you just use the Konica Minolta autofocus lenses? But think about this whole system and the way it's working with the amount of data that you're pulling off the sensor, what's being processed, the software algorithms that are able to process literally focusing on someone's eye 60 times a second, you're going to have to have autofocus motors that are able to keep up with that. Back to the traditional DSLR design, when you take the picture, the autofocus system works in a similar way. What it's designed to do with something like a stepping motor is the lens moves to acquire focus and it stops and then you might reacquire focus and do it again. But continuous autofocus is a much slower affair in a DSLR type setup. And when you look at what Sony's designing with their systems right now, you have things like direct linear type uh, motors that are contactless. So literally, this is more of a video camera design. In fact, I think it's taken directly from the idea of a camcorder where you have something that will stay in focus and it's designed to move as fast as the autofocus will acquire a new focus point. And so it's not like you can just take the old lenses and move them on. And I think we're seeing this now now with Canon and Nikon. I think this is a smart move because not only does the autofocus need to be redesigned, but you actually have a shorter flange distance between the lens and the sensor. This becomes particularly problematic with wide-angle lenses and the optics actually do need to be redesigned to take full advantage of the resolution that you're able to get out of the sensor. But there are a lot of advantages and for instance I think we've just kind of cracked the surface. I mean we've had 1080p video and now 4k video for a while and this is something that DSLRs didn't handle as well. In fact, I'm, you know, you used to not be able to do autofocus at all in live view. Of course, Canon later introduced dual pixel AF, and they've done a pretty good job on that. So it'll be interesting to see what companies do what in terms of video. But I think in terms of shooting speed, you really are maxed out because of the whole system of a mirror flapping up and a shutter opening on a DSLR camera of how fast you can actually have a frames per second burst speed to capture what it is that you're trying to do. And that's the most recent thing we've seen with the A9, but it's gonna be really interesting to see where it goes in the future. Maybe this could be an advantage for Canon and Nikon because they've already seen what's possible and so they're gonna come along into that trying to reevaluate that into their own systems. I don't know. I do think it's going to be an upward battle. So I'd be curious to know what you guys think about mirrorless technology. Is this something you even care about? I know not everybody does, but I think, believe it or not, I think this is about to have a dramatic change on photography as we know it.
it. Much in the same way that when 35 millimeter became kind of the standard for quote unquote professional photography, it changed everything. And it wasn't because the film was smaller. In fact, a lot of people scoffed at it because it wasn't 120, it wasn't a bigger size. So it was a lower resolution of film. But what it allowed everything to do in the photography industry, it allowed cameras to be designed to come out that you could take places that you couldn't take a large for medium format camera. And that made it much more intimate and it changed the things people were able to do with cameras. And I think that Sony are doing that right now in the modern sense with their designs. Like for instance, right now I have the artist series videos that I shoot. I shoot those by myself and I can literally compose the image and I can have an unmanned camera that will stay in focus the whole time I'm shooting video. That's what I'm doing right now. It's amazing. I don't have to have two people to do the same job. So it opens up a lot of possibilities of what I can do with the camera. And my needs obviously with video are a little bit different. But but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think it's also you have to give credit to other mirrorless manufacturers as well. I think Fuji have done an unbelievable job with their APS-C system. I think that lens lineup is unbelievable. And I think they're getting better and getting stronger all the time too. I think they're a little behind in terms of speed and then also in the video department. But I think those things will be rectified as time moves forward too. The thing that I would really love to see is Micro Four Thirds has been mirrorless technology. It's been around for quite some time right now. And there's some great optics in that space when you consider how small that sensor is it really does give you the ability to make a really small camera and they've made great strides in the video side of things but that sensor is kind of old that they're all using now it's not even backside illuminated so there's no phase detection autofocus it's only contrast so it's going to be really interesting to see if this does indeed motivate other manufacturers to do the same i would love to see it i think micro four thirds is a legitimate format and i don't want to see it go away but i think it's slow to keep up They've done made great strides in video. And again, if we look at that five-way system there of all the components that, that are involved, I think that Panasonic, at least, have clearly put a lot into the software development part of that, where you have algorithms. They're constantly issuing updates for the GH5, which is a great camera that have improved autofocus. And they've done better than I thought they would be able to do with it, but it still is not on par with what we're seeing Sony do in the mirrorless space. Would love to hear your comments on this. And until the next video, I will see you guys then. Later.